Be strong and courageous, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. You know, many people think that women in the Old Testament and New Testament were submissive and subservient, and that God wanted them to be under the rule of any man. The reality is that's not true. In the Old Testament, there was a woman who was a judge named Deborah. She was a judge and a prophet. Judges in that day were military leaders. There was a man named Sisera, and he was commander of an enemy army. God told Barak to go into battle and deliver Sisera, but Barak said he would only go if Deborah went with him. Sure enough, she did. Deborah led the army to a victory, and Israel enjoyed peace under Deborah's rule for 40 years. Welcome to Parenting Great Kids. I'm your host, Dr. Meg Meeker, and this is episode number 161. You regular listeners know that I interview the nation's best child and adolescent experts so that you can understand your kids better and understand why they do what they do. I'm excited to tell you that I'm in the process of releasing a brand new course on raising wonderful, happy toddlers. So go to meekerparenting.com and wait for it to come out. I think you're going to love it. Joining me on the show today is Michelle Easton. Michelle is the president of the Claire Booth Luce Policy Institute, which is headquartered in Herndon, Virginia. She founded the Luce Policy Institute in 1993 after finishing 12 years of service in the administrations of Presidents Reagan and Bush. She received presidential appointments from both Presidents Reagan and Bush with Senate confirmation for her position at the U.S. Department of Education. Michelle is also the author of this fabulous book that we're going to be talking about today called How to Raise a Conservative Daughter. Ms. Easton has traveled widely to promote conservative principles and spoken to scores of conferences and meetings. She's spoken to news talk television, public television, firing line, Fox News, and C-SPAN. And she's been interviewed on dozens of radio programs. She's written articles for Wall Street Journal, the Richmond Times-Dispatch, and Human Events, just to name a few. All right, let's get to my interview with Michelle Easton on this edition of Parenting Great Kids. Well, Michelle, I've been looking forward to this interview for quite a long time. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be with you. You are a prolific writer yourself, and so I'm honored that you are going to interview me about my first book. <laughs> well, well, thank you. You've written an extraordinary book interviewing three conservative women, and you did so because you want to teach daughters um, how to be strong conservative women. And I kudos to you. That's it's so important. Now, you know, it's interesting because when we talk about conservative women, people shudder. Even though they're strong, they're great. And the women you write about are extraordinary. Why do American people shudder when they hear about conservative American women? I think they are negative about that, uh, that term because they listen to the major media, uh, the social media, the entertainment industry, which are all negative about conservative women. I think that most women 
are conservative mm -hmm. at their heart and soul, certainly mothers, certainly women in families, uh, but the uh, negative characterizations of conservative women, they don't, they don't have a lot of time to spend on it. They're busy in their lives and their work with their families and, and they accept it, but it's a false uh, kind of characterization. And uh, um, I think that uh, the whole notion of raising conservative daughters, which is what my book is about, is what most mothers and fathers would want to do. Strong, smart, articulate, courageous, brave, intelligent, traditionally minded young women. That's why I wrote How to Raise a Conservative Daughter. Amen. And I don't know of any other book out there like this. Before we get started, let's back up a little bit, because I think a lot of people, particularly women, are conservative, but they don't know it. So can you just outline conservatism real quickly before we, we launch? Sure, sure. Um, a cornerstone is faith. Now, I don't, I don't say if you're an atheist, you can't be a conservative, but it's a lot tougher. It's faith and all that comes with it. Um, it's uh, appreciating family, family first in your lives, even professional women like me and you. Family is always first in your heart. Um, it's uh, believing that America is exceptional. It's the most wonderful country on the face of the earth, and it's worth defending. It's understanding that hard work is a virtue. There's no free stuff. Somebody pays for all the free stuff. It's understanding that a woman's differences from men are her strengths. And, and, and how life is such a valuable thing at the beginning of life and at the end. It's understanding money um, and how to handle it well. Um, it's understanding uh, service to others and how important that is in, in building yourself. Um, and then as a young woman, it's understanding that when you get to college, which is the, the main age of the girls that we work with, you, you, you need to be strong and brave and, and courageous and stand up and defend these ideas I've just talked about, and, and you need to learn how to be a good communicator. Um, and you need to celebrate the great American conservative women who are never taught in women's studies courses, who are seldom celebrated on a media, except perhaps on Fox, um, but who are incredible role models for all women, young and old. So that's what I basically gave you was the chapters in my book. That's what a conservative woman is. Well, I appreciate you that defining that because a lot of women will say, I don't like conservatism. I'm progressive. I'm liberal. But when you really drill down and ask them what they believe, yes. they don't often believe progressive thoughts or progressive ideals. And so particularly, you know, millennials who you know, didn't grow up with the beginning of feminism, you know, like you and I did and sort of saw the evolution of women and our goals and that kind of a thing. So I appreciate you doing that. Why do we not want to praise publicly conservative women? We, we praise liberal women and leaders, but not conservative women. Is that because of the media is that because of how people really feel? And, and when did that start? Well, um, like you said, we, we were there during the time when radical feminism start, started. Original feminism, or we call it the suffragette movement, was about women having the same rights as men under the law. Obviously, voting and property rights and marriage and divorce and all those kind of things. In about the 60s, uh, along with the anti-government movement, the uh, anti-Vietnam War movement, 
suffragettes shifted to a more leftward uh, view of government was the answer for most of everything, um, and that um, women were oppressed, um, that too many men were patriarchal and dominant, that children could be an awful bother in your life, and that if you didn't want children, it was just fine to abort them prior, prior to birth. So the movement for women, for strong, smart, courageous women, shifted to a left-wing uh, point of view. And so the media is dominated by left-wing, social media for the most part, the entertainment industry, they're not going to promote conservative women whose point of view is quite different from what that has become now. Even though, as you said, I believe most women are conservative and it's it's part of what we have to do, you and me and the others who are involved, to better explain our ideas, our solutions to the problems in the world as just women um, instead of, oh, the conservatives, oh, feminists, blah, blah, blah. I can't ever call myself a feminist, even though people say, what do you mean? You know, you're strong, you have a career, you have a family, you know, you're not afraid to stand up and talk, but they've taken that word and they've turned it into something else. It's kind of like the word gay doesn't mean children singing ring around the rosy anymore. It means something else. Feminism now means radical left-wing socialist, anti-man, anti-America, anti-faith points of view. Well, I, I sure appreciate that in your extraordinary book, you write about three women, Noni Darwish, uh, the second is Kellyanne Conway, and then Star Parker. So let's start with uh, Noni Darwish. Um, she is a um, former Muslim, and she knows Sharia law very well. Talk to us about who she is and why you wrote about her. Well, she's actually a woman who has spoken for us uh, at the Claire Boothus Center for Conservative Women many, many times. And anytime we, we take her to a, a campus, um, she is, uh, there's all kinds of uh, opposition that she gets um, to speaking out about Sharia law, the truth about Sharia law and the Muslim faith, which she used to belong to. Um, in fact, we've done a, a, a little uh, brochure here. It's called Sharia Law Legalized Misogyny, which just lays out in a very simple way what it is uh, Sharia law is about. She's considered a traitor by Islamists in her country and a fatwa or the religious edict against her um, has been issued. So she was born in Egypt in 1949, raised as a devout Muslim came to America in 1976 and gradually converted to Christianity. So that decision put her life at risk. You you don't leave the Muslim faith. So I'm sorry, was she in Cairo when that happened or the U.S. when she converted? She was in the U.S. She okay. was in the U.S. Um, and uh, she explains uh, Sharia law and the Muslim faith um, and uh, in a very plain and simple way as someone who has lived live both ways. And she's very frustrated with American liberals, especially feminists, for their willingness to defend the Islamic culture, uh, the abuses against women, which she came to the U.S. to escape, she says. Um, and so she's written extensively. Um, she is a great speaker on a college campus because it's not something she's read about. She lived it. She knows it. Uh, she knows the brutality to women of Sharia law which is quite appropriate as we watch the Taliban retake Afghanistan here. Um, she's an amazing figure. 
Yeah. Well, and, and she's a woman with true courage, um, true stamina, true convictions, and she is strong. I mean, to be able to live, and she has three children, correct? Yes, she does. Yeah. Yes, she does. So three children, and she has um, a target on her head, mm-hmm. and she continues to speak out about those things that got her the fatwa. And I don't know how more courageous a, a woman you can be. Now, you're absolutely right. So she's speaking out against yes. abuses and violence and death threats against women in the United States, and yet many women don't support her. Are we that politically narrow-minded that we aren't willing to applaud the true virtues of a woman and let them be trumped by a political bias? Is that how we've gotten to that point? I'm not sure. I I think that people do not listen to what she has to say, to what Sharia law is really about. Um, I think if they did, just the common sense of people would say, oh my goodness, this woman is is incredibly brave and she's right. Uh, The notion that, oh, you know, we're all just the same, the Muslim faith, the Christian faith. No, we're not. No, we're not. That's one reason why we failed in Afghanistan and we will never uh, have a victory in in Afghanistan for freedom, for the kind of life that we want. It's a Muslim country. Um, And, you know, good for them if they want to do that. But it's very, very different from the Judeo-Christian heritage of America, of Canada, of the free nations of the world. And she points that out and they despise her for it because they like to pretend, oh, it's just a different faith. So do you think it's a lack of acceptance of theological differences, if you will, um, where the Muslim faith is theologically very different from the Judeo-Christian faith? And do you think it's the sense that progressives have said, no, 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 those differences don't exist? Um, we all live side by side. We worship the same God, which is not true. Um, and and perhaps it's a lack of understanding theology that allows people to come along and demonize somebody like her because um, they're saying, wait a minute, you just don't understand. You know, everybody's nice. How could you talk about that? I'm, I'm just having a hard time wrapping my head around this. I'm sorry that that we could not support a woman who is publicly coming out and saying it's wrong for women to be abused, manipulated, threatened, raped, and to be so degraded and that people would go, oh, well, you're missing the point here. What are we missing? So I'm sorry, help me understand this a little bit. I think you're right. They just, they don't, they don't understand the Judeo-Christian faith and how women are honored and venerated. They don't understand Sharia law, you know, the, um, the, the way the husband can just divorce a woman by saying it, um, the way that they uh, can mutilate women's genitals. Um, exactly. The honor violence, you know, you can kill a sister if she um, dates a Christian. Um, you know, the way they handle rape, you know, there has to be so many witnesses for the women. Uh, the women are punished if they come out. Um, their courts and the councils, they, 
you don't you don't hear about this um doctor in the in the popular culture in the media it's just always oh, different they just wrap up and you know they and have, it's ugly yes it's and horrible. in a culture where we're supposedly championing acceptance and tolerance for a person to come out and say you know that theological standpoint is wrong and it's ugly and we will stand up against it goes counter to what a lot of people are trying to do, which is say, no, 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 we're all the same. We're all the same. If you're just nice to people, they'll be nice to you. Let's move on to Kellyanne Conway. You write about her. And again, you know, people will hear Kellyanne Conway. They'll see her face standing up there, extremely smart, extremely articulate. I would never want to get in an argument with this woman. Um, she was senior White House counsel, and she was the first woman to successfully run a presidential campaign. Tell us about the personality of Kellyanne Conway and why you chose to write about her in championing extraordinary women. Right. Well, you know, I'm 50 years out of college, doctor, and Kellyanne is without a doubt probably one of the smartest women I've ever met. And I've been working with women now for decades. She served on the board of the Claire Booth Luce Center for Conservative Women for eight years before she went to work for President Trump. She was a pollster. She was the most articulate uh, person that I ever heard talk about polls. To be honest, I know a lot of women who didn't care for President Trump in the beginning um, for a variety of reasons. I came from New York, so I could say he was a New Yorker, you know. <laughs> but, um, yeah. And they didn't even support him after he was nominated for president at the convention. But they shifted when he named Kellyanne his campaign manager because Kellyanne is such an incredible, common sense, smart woman. She relates to sort of normal people. She knows so much about policy and politics. And when he named her, these women said to me, I must have missed something about President Trump because the things they said about him and women, he couldn't possibly nominate somebody like uh, Kellyanne to be his uh, campaign manager and then to be his uh, uh, counselor if he, if he was as bad about women as people say. So I really think Kellyanne helped this President Trump get elected because there were a lot of women who who were shy about him, but she brought him over. Um, she's very, very smart. Do you think if she were running Joe Biden's campaign successfully that people would have liked her? Yes, of course. The, the liberal media, the liberal social media, the entertainment industry, yeah. But isn't that sad? that we as women can't see past our political views and, and look deeper. And you know, Michelle, I think this is something, I'm gonna date us now. I think this is something I was taught to do. I was taught, because I was on a debate team, that you look at the person, you look at the character, you look at their intelligence, their convictions, and, their views on other things were sort of secondary. And I remember even on debate team, I would purposely take the opposite side of what I believed so that I could argue it. And we accepted people very differently. Women did. 
And, and there was a cohesiveness among women. I mean, we disagreed over abortion. We disagreed over um, ERA, but there were so many things that we identified with. And now there's this enormous split in women that we are each other's own worst enemy. Well, parents, I hope you're enjoying my conversation with Michelle Easton. I need to take a quick break, but don't go anywhere. I'll be right back with more of my conversation. Welcome back to Parenting Great Kids. My guest today is Michelle Easton. Talk about the character qualities that you think a woman like Kellyanne Conway can instill in the next generation of women, because really your book is how to raise a conservative daughter. So what are her character qualities? She was an incredibly hard worker. I have a chapter, Hard Work is a Virtue. She founded this polling company on her own. Her background is interesting. Her, I think her father uh, left the family and she was raised by her mother and some, sounds like some maiden aunts all there in Jersey. Um, she did well in high school. She did well in college. She went to law school. She worked very, very hard. She read a lot. Uh, she married uh, late, but um, her career was had, had, had blossomed by then. And she ended up having twins and then two more children. Uh, how typical Kellyanne had twins, very efficient. Yeah. Um, and uh, during during the presidency, it was very public. Um, there was disagreements between Kellyanne and her husband about President Trump. Um, I don't know how she managed that. I don't know either. She did so well. And then uh, right before the end of the term, she um, she left and she said, I'm going to focus on my family. Uh, she said, less drama, more mama. Um, because the kids were struggling too, I think, as, as the public uh, disputes about President Trump between mom and dad. Um, what an incredible role model to, to do that. Uh, she, she, I, I wish she had stayed, but I understood she couldn't. Um, and uh, she, she is a role, those character traits, hard work, smart, you know, loyal, loyal to the president. But family first, that's my chapter two. In the end of all that, she put her family first, um, and uh, I think I think things are going uh, okay now. Um, that's the sense I have. Well, even the idea of family first is anti-woman, anti-American, for men or for women, but particularly for women because you know that's the way I was raised. My identity as a woman was not in my career, not necessarily my identity as a woman was separate. But then I, I wanted children, I wanted a family, and I realized the only way you can really raise healthy kids is spend time with them, period. You have to spend more time with your kids than you do at work, and that's the way it is. And so that's what putting family first means. And yet, yeah, she has taken a lot of heat for that from some quote-unquote feminists who really don't support a woman's choice to do something different. Uh, let's go on to Star Parker. And you write about her. And uh, for anybody who hasn't read the book, it's extraordinary. You have to. Whether you're a conservative or whether you're a liberal, you know, this is a book really about teaching women how to raise strong daughters. Daughters that can accept other people's views, that they can be open-minded, that they can impart tremendous virtues um, you know, honesty, courage, and so forth. So talk to us about Star Parker. 
she's an incredible woman as well, doctor. A conservative woman of faith um, now. She lived a life for many, many years where she was a, a welfare mom, uh, where she used drugs, uh, where she was promiscuous, where she had uh, multiple abortions. Um, and now she's one of the strongest defenders of life in America um, and other conservative principles. That's chapter six, defend life. She um, found faith. She came to faith. A couple of people took her and helped her. And um, How old was she? She was in her uh, uh, late 20s, I believe. Okay. And so after years of welfare dependency, abortions and drugs, she became a conservative woman of faith. And what a powerful example to millions of young women. Now, when she goes out and we have her go on a college campus or one of our events, she's not somebody who's read about that welfare life. She lived it. She lived it. She knows how uh, dependency on government is so destructive. Um, and she's now such a ferocious defender of freedom, of faith, of life, um, and an outspoken critic of against uh, critical race theory. Um, some of these things that the left is pushing on uh, young men and, and young women. She's, she's an amazing uh, woman, and she'll talk about her life before and after her conversion with um, stunning honesty. I, I must say, if I had shifted personally from that kind of life to being a conservative woman, I don't know that I would be brave enough to talk about it. <laughs> and I give her such credit for that. Well, and I think that's part of the power in her life now. It's the power in her conservatism and her Christianity, where she pivoted, you know, 180 degrees because it was a dramatic life change. And my sense is now, Michelle, that a lot of younger women who want to stand up for women um, are, are really afraid of changing and breaking away and saying, you know what, I'm going to embrace other ideas. I'm going to consider other ideas. And there's a, a sense of fear of really looking at somebody like Star Parker and going, no, 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 what she went through is so different from what I'm going to go through that I'm just going to kind of brush her off. But it's really her authenticity that gives her kind of the, the power of her message, if you will. Um, so let me ask you a personal question. After getting to know these three women, which I'm jealous of, <laughs> and, and talking with them personally as a strong, courageous, hardworking woman yourself, um, and I consider myself one of those because what we do isn't easy and it isn't glamorous and you get death threats but it's something that you need to do. What did you personally take away from interviewing these extraordinary women? Well, I just feel tremendously enriched and blessed to have gotten to know them and some of the other ladies that I talk about in the book. Um, I just, uh, I admire their courage so much, all of them, um, and their willingness to speak up, to brave the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune, as they say. Um, and, it's, and it's not just these women who we send out as speakers. It's also the young women that we work with. I feel so blessed to have had the opportunity to work with thousands of young women over 28 years. Hundreds of them I, I, I consider daughters in a way because we're close, we keep in touch, we email all the time. 
it's that there's a whole wonderful group of conservative women out there. The cultural forces are arrayed against them, but they stand up strong and brave. And, you know, uh, Mrs. Luce, who we named this after, said, courage is the ladder upon which all the other virtues uh, climb, saying that you can be strong, you can be smart, but if you don't have the courage to step up like you have, doctor, and write books and talk about these things, um, you're missing something. So so we're, we're blessed to have these great ladies, to have these strong young women, um, and we need to celebrate them. And that's what we do at Claire Booth Luce Center of Conservative. We give awards galore. We give Woman of the Year. We give Woman of Courage. We give leadership awards because conservative women are never awarded from the uh, from the media, from the popular culture, from uh, the Academy Awards and all that. Exactly. We need to celebrate our own women more, uh, promote them as role models, and uh, and just uh, realize how blessed we are to have them all. You're, you're absolutely right. And really what we're talking about is um, praising and awarding virtue. Yes. Uh, not party lines and not woke thinking and not, you know, walking down the same very, very narrow path where like in Hollywood, you pat your buddy on the back and they pat you on the back. And it's sort of this, just this club. We need to think larger than that. And we need to really applaud virtue in women. You know, as I sit here, I think there's so many women out there that I admire that are just so strong and so good. Talk to us about the younger generation that you're working with. And um, and you say you go on college campuses or these ladies went on college campuses. How are they received? How is Kellyanne Conway and Star Parker and uh, Noni received when they walk on a college? I mean, I'm surprised they're even invited, to tell you the truth. Well, we, we find young women who are involved in clubs that are maybe more conservative, Students for Life, Young Americans for Freedom. Um, some of those, there are conservative clubs. But here's the thing about the campuses, Doctor. When you and I went... I, I talk in the book about some of the grief I took for doing conservative things, but you were allowed to say what you wanted. People would disagree. Oh, absolutely. What's happened now is they do not even want to hear conservative points of view. They do not want conservative women to come in and speak on many, many campuses. And so they put up roadblocks. They try to prevent the girls from having it. They'll do Rotten little things like say, oh, you have to get a million dollar insurance policy. Well, you know, Angela Davis was there a week ago and she didn't have to do that. These are things we help the girls with. Mm -hmm. um, at the last minute, they'll change the room. So people are going to the wrong place. Um, one of our girls, uh, a wonderful young woman, she went to Swanee, University of the South, uh, run by the Episcopal Church. She was a, a girl of faith. She thought, well, this will be a conservative place. Well, it wasn't. It's totally left wing. She wanted to bring in, she came in for summer. She was an intern. She got brave and courageous. Christina Huff Summers, who you may know, she wrote Who Sold Feminism. She came from the academic world and investigated feminism and, and all, the, all the crazy stuff in it. So this young woman brought Christina to Swanee, but the administration told her the only way she would be allowed to have her is if immediately following Christina's discussion of the fraudulence of feminism, there would be in that same room a panel of feminists refute her. So uh, Kelly said, okay. <laughs> and the most wonderful thing was Christina gave a great speech. The room was packed, standing room only, people sitting on the floor, a lot of Q&A. The instant she was done and they were setting up the new panel, the room emptied. <laughs> 
Nobody wanted to hear the feminists because that's what they heard in all their classes. Yeah. So sometimes yes. the opposition of a university to having a conservative voice just bites them in the you know what. But but here's here's my belief, and I guess I'm I'm an eternal optimist. I really think things amongst women at least will shift. Because you and I have seen that shift. You know, I went to Mount Holyoke College in the 70s, all women's school. You know, we were considered chargers, um, you know, feminists. We were working very hard. We were, but we really embraced one another. And one of the most fun things about going to college seminars was arguing. We learn so much from each other in arguing different points in books or different theology or different, you know, political views. And that it expands your mind so much. And I fear that the younger generation doesn't get their mind expanded because they close themselves off to, you know, a, a whole way of thinking and believing and understanding. And I would think at least you know, if the left is the dominant party trying to teach the young kids, they could at least see that it, you know, we're doing a huge disservice to young women by, you know, making them such myopic thinkers and speakers. And it just surprises me that nobody notices that. Um, because, but I guess, I guess they don't. Um, but anyway, I really believe there's going to be a shift because, we tend to see the pendulum swing, you know, politically anyway, but I think a lot of millennials or the generation after them, I, I can't remember what they're going to be called, um, but they're going to say, wait a minute, wait a minute. What are you thinking about? And, um, and why are you thinking, what are your thoughts about the next generation of women, young women and their um, ideology? Well, you're right. We are seeing some shifts in that generation. I don't see any of them on the college campuses, but one issue where we've really made a lot of progress is the issue of life. <laughs> and the yeah. polling shows that young men and women are not overwhelmingly uh, okay with abortion anymore. I, right. I think that maybe has to do with the sonograms and the pictures and the ads, but um, we, do, we do make progress on that. Another area where you see a resistance to governmental controls is in tech, in music, in, you know, they all have their, their computers and their phones, and they don't want the government interfering with what it is they watch. They don't like Amazon um, censoring books that they disagree with. So I, I think you're right about the generation. I, I think there are some positive changes. We see it in the young women that we work with. I don't see any changes in higher ed. And uh, the, the expression you use, what a disservice, that's what it is. 50,000 a year or uh, or more, some or less, to get an education that is one-sided, that rarely has any points of view except the left-wing liberal socialist point of view. That is an incredible disservice to young people. It is, and I don't understand how you can develop your mind or your thinking if it's so narrow. A, I would think it'd be incredibly boring, but B, you, you just um, live with this sense of fear. I, I can't think about that. I can't read that. I can't do that because that's going to change who I am. Well, if it's going to change who you are, maybe you need to change. 
you know, maybe you're on, um, on shifting scent anyway, Michelle, our time is up. Um, I have so loved, um, talking with you and reading your book, how to raise a conservative daughter. You are brilliant. I thank you for, uh, for writing this book as again, it's a book that every parent needs to read especially if you're a liberal, because you need to teach your daughters how to think, and they can't learn to think if they stay closed-minded. So thanks for uh, doing your great work and for writing such a wonderful book, Michelle. Thank you for having me on, and I can certainly recommend all of your books to your listeners as well. What an excellent group of books you've written, and your most recent one, uh, I'm not totally through it, but I, I looked at it in preparation for this, and uh, what a great book. Some of the things you had on social media, especially that was so valuable. So thank you so much. Thanks for what you do. God bless you and your family and uh, hope to talk again soon. Thank you. And God bless. Thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Michelle Easton and taking a peek into her book, Raising a Conservative Daughter. Whether you are conservative or a liberal, it doesn't matter. Read the book. Michelle is one of the greatest minds in the United States today. Okay, let's go over my points to ponder. One, build your daughter's faith when she's young. You know, many girls, particularly teenagers, struggle terribly from feeling lost and empty. And this happens because our culture brainwashes them into believing that their value comes from popularity looking thin, acting sexy, and even questioning their gender. This is a lot of what social media teaches our girls. And pursuing these things in order to be happy never delivers. It ends up making girls feel emptier than ever. But teaching them who God is and that their value comes from who they are as a woman created by him gives them a deep sense of self-worth. It's a contentment and strength that can never come through focusing on the superficial aspects of their lives. Two, build strong character in your daughter. One of the biggest mistakes we parents and grandparents make with our daughters and granddaughters is praising them for the wrong things. We do it because everyone else does it. We tell them how good they are at soccer and piano and how beautiful they are. There's nothing wrong with telling our girls these things, and it's important to at times, but these praises must always be secondary to praising our daughter's character strengths, patience, hard work, perseverance, humility, and more. When we focus on teaching our daughters to strengthen their character qualities, then they become genuinely happy. Three, help your daughter achieve great things without putting others down. Most girls believe that in order to succeed, they must put men or boys or others in their way down. This helps no one. Girls can succeed at anything without tearing others down. As my father's good friend, who was editor-in-chief of the most prestigious medical journal in the world, said to me when I was young, when you're really good at something, you don't have to say a word. Keep your head up and work hard. And this is a lesson we need to teach our daughters because this leads them to success without regret of hurting others. I want to thank my guest, Michelle Easton, for joining me on the podcast today. You can follow her at cblwomen.org. 
which is the website for the Claire Booth Luce Policy Institute. Again, that's cblwomen.org. Now let's recap my three points to ponder. One, build your daughter's faith when she's young. Two, build strong character in your daughter. And three, help your daughter achieve great things without putting others down. Remember, check out meekerparenting.com, sign up for my private community and pay attention for that brand new toddler course that's coming out just around the corner. So until next time, parents, always remember, great kids are raised, not born. <laughs>